0: Good morning. All right, one of my favorite hymns is the hymn "Victory in Jesus." But uh, uh, y- unless you've been here when we've done it before, you probably never sung it like this. We're gonna we're gonna kind of rock it up a little bit here. Will you stand and let's sing "Victory in Jesus."
1: And then I cried, dear Jesus, come and heal my broken spirit And somehow Jesus came and brought to me the victory
2: About the angels singing and the whole redemption story, and some sweet day I'll sing up there the song of.
3: May be seated. Welcome to First Baptist. We're glad you're here to worship with us this morning. I want to remind you of a couple of things before we keep worshiping and singing. Uh, One, guests, we are glad that you are here. Uh, There's a guest card in in the pew racks in front of you. If you don't mind grabbing that, and filling that, just a way to get to know you. And at the end of the service, you can uh, head to our welcome center and uh, meet one of our staff members. And and we got a gift for you for your first time guest with us. Also, uh, firmly affixed to your worship, God, this morning is a prayer guide uh, for Tennessee um, uh, mission efforts and uh, different things that Tennessee Baptists are involved in. So each day uh, there's a different thing, and you can kind of educate yourself and pray for these things, all these things that Tennessee and Baptists are involved in. So uh, we'd like you to commit yourself to pray uh, this week and continue to give to our North American Missions offering. And uh, that's you know, we've done great, but we still got some, some way to go there. So we are here to worship and celebrate uh, what God's doing in our world and our lives, and uh, we're going to pray and we'll continue to worship. Father God, we give you praise for letting us be here this morning and giving us this space and this opportunity to worship you and experience you, God. We thank you for your presence made possible by the the act of Jesus on the cross, and we celebrate that, and we, we worship you this morning, God. So as we hear from your word, as we sing, as we pray, as we just experience your presence, God, just help us to, to be mindful of who you want us to be, uh, the ways that you love us, and the ways that we can love others, God. So just be with us as we worship. It's in your name we pray. Amen.
0: Well, I'm really excited this morning uh, because uh, you may wonder who some of these folks are on this platform here, uh, but this is this is my group, Trademark. We sang together with this configuration for uh, several years. Uh but over there, uh, in, over in the far left there is uh, my friend, the fellow with, with, whose hair is older than he is, but um, so he's... That's uh, still not funny. I, I, I keep waiting for it to be funny. So anyway, that's David Howard. I met David Howard in, uh, oh, some 20-odd years ago, and it's been 20-odd odd years, um, but no, I met him in, 19, in 1999 when I went to Harbeth Heights Baptist Church. He was singing up in the choir, and... And uh, there was this wonderful tenor voice coming from the choir loft. And I looked up at David and I said, David, who is that guy sitting next to you? (laughs) Okay, so anyway, no, it was David. Uh, Yeah, some of you will get that on the way home. But uh, yeah, so David and I started, he's like a brother to me. And so I love David. Well, about that same time in 1999, he had a daughter who was 10 years old. And, and, and she, sing, she sang better than he did. Okay. And, uh, <laughs> and so, and so uh, it was neat that, that so many years later here, we got to sing with Amber, his daughter Amber. She's now Amber Scott, got two beautiful babies. And uh, so this, was, this is trademark. Uh, and, uh, and by the way, we have CDs in the bookstore. <laughs> and just so you know, all proceeds from CDs on those sales go back to the church. So none of it comes to us. It all goes to church, church work. But, uh, but if you want to pick up some, uh, some trademark, trademark memorabilia, it's in there in the bookstore. So, uh, okay, that's enough of the commercial. Now let's sing. Uh, let's do this song. Will you stand us and let's sing Believe For It.
4: say this mountain can't be moved they say these chains will never break
0: to worship Time and wrote the story of his love for everyone. He has
1: filled our hearts with wonder so that we When you and I choose to believe, you and I will see who we were meant to be. Amen. All we are, all we are and all we have amen. is all a gift from God that we receive. Amen. Brought to life. Open up our eyes To see the majesty and glory of the King He has filled our hearts with wonder So that we always remember You and I were made to worship You and I are called to love Be and even the rocks cry out, and even the heavens shout at the sound of his holy name. So let every voice sing out, let every knee bow down, he is worthy of all. You and I are called to love. You and I are forgiven and free. You and I embrace surrender. When you and I choose to believe, you and I will see. goodness of God. I love your voice. You have led me through the fire in darkest night. You are close like no good Is running after. Is running after me. Your goodness is running after. It's running to me. With my life laid down, i surrender now. I give You everything. Your goodness is running after. It's running out. God.
0: We come before you this morning just thanking you for your goodness and your kindness. your are loving us, Lord, even when we don't deserve it, Lord. Even in those times when we just seem to turn away from you, you still love us. So, Lord, we thank you for that. And we're going to sing. We're going to sing and sing and sing about the goodness of your, of your great will for our lives, Lord and how you move and work in, in, our, in our being. Lord, we come before you this morning just asking you to, to show us the way, Lord. Touch our hearts and our spirits in ways that just bring us closer to you because you are good. You are good. And we need you, Lord. Without you, we would be lost. Touch our hearts. Change us from the inside out. We with be with Jake this morning as he comes and brings your message. May you pierce our very souls with the words and the ideals that you would have us to live by. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated.
5: Thank you, Todd and Trademark, for leading us in worship today. We're in week two of this series called The Renovation of the Heart. And as we start this morning, we start with a question that kind of reveals what's going on inside so here's the question if you could do anything and you knew you would get away with it what would you do now don't tell me I don't want to know right and don't turn to your neighbor and tell them either they don't want to know but the reason why I ask this question is because when you remove the consequence what happens in a sense your hearts are exposed right right something for a moment, if you really thought about it, bubbled to the surface and came up, and you're thinking, wow, where did that come from? And Jesus would say it came from inside of you because it was there. So the thesis statement, or the big idea of this series, is that we have learned to monitor our outward behavior, but we don't talk a lot about monitoring the condition and health of our hearts. We actually live in a culture that encourages us to follow our hearts, and the question is, is that a good idea? Well, it depends. It depends what's in here. Um, so recap from last week. Jesus is talking to the Pharisees. He says, listen, it's, it's whatever enters the mouth, it goes into the stomach and then it, it leaves the body. But it's the things that come out of a person's mouth that come from the heart and defiles them. So what, what comes out of you reveals what's inside of you. And he he uses this word defile, which means to put us at odds with God. And the reason why what comes out of our mouths can put us at odds with God is because a lot of times what we say puts us at odds with people that God has created and made in his image that he loves. And God doesn't want us to hurt his image bearers, people. And so then this is what Jesus says, For out of the mouth comes Evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, and slander. These are what defile a person. Eating with unwashed hands, that does not defile them. It's what's in us that comes out that puts us at odds. Not necessarily what we put in. Our actions and our words all begin with a thought. So, uh, to kind of illustrate this a little bit... um, I got a low-tech visual aid for a moment. And this is what I love. Every year around Christmas, Craig Abbott will give us a large jar of peanut M&Ms. And let me just say, these things are dangerous, right? You ever sit down and eat just a few of these, and next thing you know, like the whole bag or the whole jar is gone? I don't know if you're like me, but that, that happens sometimes. And here's the thing. If I were to tip this jar over, would that determine what came out of this jar? Would tipping it over determine what's coming out? The answer's no, right? Uh, It's already predetermined because it's peanut M&Ms inside of this, right? So regardless, tipping it over does not reveal what's inside. What's inside is already inside. And the greater question is, would anybody on the front row like an M&M, right? I've got a Todd, no, anyway. Yeah, come see me afterwards. I got some M&Ms here for you. But, you know, life will shake us. Life, from time to time, may even tip us over. But the events of shaking and tipping, that doesn't determine what comes out. What comes out is what was already inside. And so Solomon, the wisest man to ever live, he writes this, Above all else, most important thing, right? Guard your heart, because everything you do flows from it. So in, an, in addition to just behavior, we have to monitor what's going on inside because eventually what's inside will eventually come out. And here's where it's so important. The people who are closest to us, they experience the overflow of our hearts on a daily basis. So we want to watch out what comes out. So for the next two weeks now, we're going to begin to look at, are there some things in our hearts that we need to work on or that we need to get out and deal with and next week we're going to look to the future and we're going to deal with our fears but today we look backwards to the past and we deal with our guilt now guilt is this emotion that's associated with the acknowledgement that we've done something wrong now you may experience all kinds of guilt right I'm going to give you some examples there's false guilt right this is where you feel bad about something that wasn't wrong or wasn't that big of a deal. You, you ever know someone who just apologizes all the time, right? You're like, just stop apologizing. Or, or how about this? This is a false guilt that kind of happens in our house from time to time. They call it mom guilt. You ever hear the word mom guilt or that phrase? That's when you don't live up to the expectations of being a perfect mom. Um, every now and then we might send Luke to school and it was a dress-up day at school. We completely forgot and Katie will be like, oh, I feel so much mom guilt right now. I don't mean to talk about my wife right here, so I hope, I hope we're good. But, uh, or, or Katie sometimes on the weekends will be like, hey, I'm going to go out and see my friends. I'll be gone for the weekend. And as she's packing and making her way out, she's like, oh, I just feel so much mom guilt for, for leaving you this weekend with the kids. You know what I never hear a dad say? I'm going on a business trip, oh, I got all this dad guilt, right? Like when I go on a mission trip and I'm gone for seven days, you know what I say on my way out? I love you, bye, right? See you in seven days. I've never heard a man say this, right? But there's some guilt that we feel that it's just false, you don't need to feel that. But then there's, there's real guilt, right? Where, yeah, we've, we've messed it up. We've got to make it right. The worst kind of guilt, and this is where we're going to focus a little bit today, is that this unfelt real guilt, where something has happened and we don't want to face it, so we tell a narrative to help us evade the guilt. And let me give you two pitfalls that we can have when it comes to guilt. There's um, when you allow guilt to define you, where it becomes your identity, where you become what you have done. That's not who you are. You're a child of God. But sometimes we can allow guilt to define us. We can allow the past to define our identity. Then there's another ditch over here where we deny it. And we don't allow it to be felt. See, in between these two ditches, if you go to either side, you empower the guilt. Here's the thing about guilt. It creates a debt-debtor relationship. And we may not experience it as a debt, um, but, but you ever see this when you've done something wrong and you think, man, I owe them an apology, or you think, I, I don't know how I could ever make this up to them. But we don't always experience it as a, as a debt. Sometimes we experience it as a weight. And when you make things right, what do people say? Oh, I feel like a weight has been lifted off of me. Um. But here's the danger, is that sometimes we pick up the weight of guilt and we hold on to it. And you might have picked up something at work, but then you go home and you're still carrying the weight with you. Or even worse, you may have picked up the weight in one season of your life, but now you've carried it on into the next season. Let me just say, there's a really good reason why we don't want to face the guilt. And it's because we stand condemned. We can't undo the past. So we create that narrative, but that never works because the past was not meant to be left behind. It's part of your story. It's part of who you are. It doesn't define you, but it's a part of your story. So here's the thing. We don't want to be defined by this. We don't want to deny it. And what we're going to see in our text today through the Apostle Paul and his story is that Jesus gives us a better way. He gives us a third option. So we're going to look to the Apostle Paul today for help in this. Paul's going to help us here. And here's the thing about Paul. He had more regret and more guilt than anybody in this room right now. Right? And so, what we're going to hear today is not just preacher talk. It's not just theory. Paul's experiences from his former life left him so broken and so guilty um, that he really had to work through this. If if you remember, Paul, he was Saul of Tarsus at first. um, And Saul tortured, persecuted, and executed Christians. You can read about this in Acts 7 through 9. Paul authorized the murder of Stephen. He got permission to hunt down Christians and try to exterminate the church. But later in life, Paul would face the children of the parents that he persecuted. Now think about this for a moment. You're standing in the pulpit at a church, and you look at the third row, and you see the family, and you know that you... Murdered and imprisoned, or imprisoned and then murdered the father of that family. And then here you are preaching the gospel. Paul experienced so much guilt. He didn't deny it. He wasn't defined by it. Instead, he documented it, and he shows us this better way through Jesus. And so we're in Romans 8 today, and what we're going to do is we're going to ask five questions of these five verses that we're going to look at. And then we have four realities that we're going to bring out from the text that show the real-life effects that this text applies to us. Now, here's the big idea we're going to, to use here. The big idea is this. There's a space where the guilty are no longer condemned. There's this space where, yeah, we're guilty. We all are. We all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We're guilty. There's this space where we're we're no longer condemned. And see, if that's true, and if I'm guilty, I want to know where this space is. Where is this space? I want to get there. So that's our first question of the text. Where? Where is this space? We start here in verse 1. It says this, Therefore, there is now no condemnation. And so something has happened. God has done something through Jesus. There's a new day, a new era, a new covenant. Because of this thing that God has done, he has made everything new, and now there is no condemnation. There is a space where our past is neither forgotten, but not condemning. Your past can be faced, even though it can't be erased. You can embrace the future without condemnation. So where is this space we need to know? There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. This space is found in Christ. In Christ, if you are willing to face the condemning truth about about who you are, of what you've done, and if you're willing to acknowledge it to God, and if you're willing to surrender to the lordship of Jesus, then you can stand uncondemned. And able to regain the balance because you are free from the weights that you have been carrying. So then question two is this. Why is this true, right? you got to prove this to me, Paul. Prove it. Why? It says here in verse two. Why? Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. See, the law of sin and death means this that when you sin, you are stuck. You can't change the past. You have broken the law. You're stuck. Here's the beautiful thing in this text, it says that the law of the spirit of life has touched you, has touched your heart, and has set you free from your past. It's like freeze tag, right? You're running, you've broken the law, you're stuck. But then the Spirit of God has come and has touched you and has set you free. You're no longer stuck. You no longer have to carry this weight. Here's question three we have then. Well, How can this be, right? Paul, you've got to give me more proof. Paul then goes on in verse three. For what the law was powerless to do. You see, the law defines the lowest form of human behavior that you can get to without facing punishment. The law could never restore you. The law could never set you free. There's something the law can't do. So that's what he says, for what the law was powerless to do, because it was weakened by the flesh. The point of the law was always to reveal to you your sin and your need for a Savior. So it was weakened by the flesh. But he says, God did what the law couldn't do. By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. Church, you gotta stick with me here. You gotta hear this. This is the doctrine of substitutionary atonement. Oh, when this doctrine became real to me, the Bible came alive. Uh, My relationship with Christ came to this point of so much freedom. Because at the cross, Jesus took what we deserve. He took on himself our sin. But not only that, he took on much more. He took on our condemnation at the cross. So he took the divine condemnation. He took the self-condemnation. He took the horizontal condemnation from others. And when Paul realized this, he stepped into freedom. And when he wrote this down, essentially what he's saying is church You're almost as guilty as I am. Remember, Paul said, I'm the chief of sinners. You're almost as guilty as me. But when you step into what Christ has done, there's now no condemnation. Paul wants this for us. He says, Agree with God. We are guilty, we own that, but we're not condemned. God says, when I see you, I don't see that. And because God doesn't see it, he doesn't want us to see it either. He wants us to be released. Here's the other thing. If God doesn't see it in me, and he doesn't see it in you, he doesn't want me to see it in you either. He doesn't want me to hold you to your past. Which comes to the fourth question. What did God do? Let's fully get to this. What did God do? How is this possible? So we see here it says, And so he condemned, not you, he condemned sin in the flesh, verse 4, in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us. You know what this means? God has restored you to a guiltless relationship in spite of your guilty actions. God has made it to where you can relate to him as if the past never happened. This is the doctrine of justification. You are guilty, but you're not condemned. Jesus took on your guilt, your sin, and your condemnation in himself. Now, before we go any further, I just want to acknowledge there's some pushback here, right? When you hear this, there might be some, okay, wait a minute. So the first pushback that people often have is, Jake, that's not fair, right? <laughs> Let me just say, when it comes to a holy, righteous God, we don't want fair. I, I don't want what I deserve. I want grace, right? You, you do too. It's not fair. You-, you don't want fair. But then the other pushback is, Jake, is this real life? Like, I understand that this would get you an A on a seminary paper, but what about Monday through Sunday, right? How do I live this truth in real life? Well, what I want to do for, for the rest of our time together is I just want to give you four realities of what happens when you're guilty but not condemned. So let's walk through this together. Reality number one, when you're guilty but not condemned. Here's the first thing that, that should happen. You give up the right to condemn yourself. Because you are not yours to condemn. See, so here's the thing. When you become a Christ follower, you are no longer your own. You've been redeemed, you have been bought with a price. You're not condemned because the one who redeemed you was condemned for you in your place. So here's the truth you've got to let the blood of Jesus be enough. It would be offensive to Christ for you to continue to condemn yourself when he has already paid for all of your condemnation. You can't do better than what Jesus has done. And so you give up the right to condemn yourself. Number two, you realize your guilt will remind you, but it will not define you. God condemned sin. He didn't condemn you. So, I love this, your worst moment can become a pivot point for you, right? Not for condemnation, but for praise. Jesus says it this way in the gospel, the one who has been forgiven much, he also loves much. I love this as a pastor, Is that sometimes I'll just look over and I'll watch everybody singing, and and during worship, sometimes the lyrics will touch somebody's heart, and it's such a beautiful thing when it happens because they go from the standard worship posture of a Southern Baptist, which means you have your hands in your pockets, right? You go from the standard worship posture to, to holding the baby, right? You ever see anybody? I'm holding the baby, right? Sometimes you go any further. You, you go to change the light bulbs. You know, you're just up here changing the light bulbs. Sometimes the worship has hit you so hard, you go to touch down Jesus. You ever see someone go touch down Jesus? Sometimes you go to touch down Jesus to. To jumping jacks in the, in the back, right? And let me just say, if you're doing jumping jacks, you need, you need to go to the back. You're, you can't do that up here in the front row. But um, here's, here's the point I want to make. Your lowest point can become that pivot point for you. Where you realize, I'm not who I was, and now you express gratitude to God for what He has done. Your past Becomes the pivot point of praise in your life. So your guilt will remind you, but it it won't define you. Number three, you give up the right to condemn others. Because that would make you a hypocrite. I believe that the more judgmental you are, that means you're unaware of your own sin. I would also say that it probably means that you've got some things you haven't dealt with yet that needs to be dealt with in your heart. You see, when you get this truth that you are guilty but not condemned, you are perfectly positioned to love the unlovable. You are perfectly positioned to love people right where they are because you have freely received How could you not also freely give? Here's the final reality is that you're free to make restitution without expectations and without excuses. This is what Christianity is not. Christianity is not, I hurt you, but I went to God and asked for forgiveness, and He said everything's good, and so now we're good. It's done. That's not Christianity, that's, that's something else. Real Christianity is this, I've hurt you, I faced my guilt, I asked God to forgive me, he gave me what I don't deserve, so the very least I could do is give you what you do deserve, and what you do deserve is an apology, and I will do whatever it takes to make it right. You see, the, the new covenant marching orders from Jesus is, Love others the way you have been loved in Christ. If God has humbled Himself to give us what we don't deserve, then this too is how we love others. We humble ourselves to give people what they don't deserve as well. The final thing here I said there were five questions of the text, I gave you four questions. Here's the fifth question of the text. Who is this for? And Paul tells us right here this is for those who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. What we see described here by Paul is not natural, it's supernatural. You can't do this in your own strength. You need the Holy Spirit to empower you. Jesus humbled himself. So now we are free to humble ourselves from others. The truth we see here in the text is that your past may remind you. It doesn't define you. You are free. Your identity is child of God. And that is who you are. Let's take a moment. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you that through Christ, the law of the Spirit that gives life has set us free from the law of sin and death. God, I thank you for Christ, who took our place, took our condemnation, and has now made it possible that we can walk in freedom because of what Jesus has purchased for us on our behalf. Because of this, we praise you, Lord, and we thank you. In Jesus' good name, amen. This morning... I just want to ask you to respond to the word. Maybe you're here today and and you need to be free. Say, hey, I I need to follow Jesus. I need to be free of this. I want to become a Christian and experience what Paul is talking about. If that's you today, you can do that. Come forward down one of these aisles. Talk to me. I can get you to somebody who will help you here. Meet me at the Welcome Center. We'd love to talk more. Maybe you'd say, hey, I, I want to join this church and become a part of a community lives out this truth, this grace, that I'm guilty but not condemned. You can do that today in the same way. But maybe this morning, the Holy Spirit has shown you an area, revealed to you an area where, hey, you're carrying weight that has been paid for. You can drop that weight. You can live in freedom. Maybe today could be the start of something new, because you're living out what Christ has paid for. However the spirit is moving, would you stand and respond to the word of God with me today?
2: People think you're distant, just some words on a page. That you're nothing more than fables handed down along the way. But I've seen you part the waters when no one else could pull me from the deep to you are to me
4: some people think you just live in cathedrals made of stone but i know you live inside my heart i know that it's your home and i've seen you in a sunset in the eyes of a stranger on the street. that's who you are to me Let mm-hmm. me
3: seated. Well, it's good to, to be in God's house this morning and, and to hear from his word that we don't have to live in a space where we are ruined by guilt, but that we can be inspired by the, the fact that God has saved us from that and to uh, to love others around us. And uh, so um, just before we go, remind you about uh, some announcements and just things here in the, the worship bulletin, just all that we've got going on. In the coming days. Um, One note the ladies' Bible study will not meet this week. uh, Tomorrow Uh, they will be taking a break with spring break. So we know we got some folks in and out, but we're still going strong with Wednesday nights and everything else. So uh, come be a part of what's going on if you're around. So uh, let's pray and we'll be dismissed. God, we thank you for your love for us. We thank you that you forgive us, that you provide mercy and grace, what we do not deserve, God. So help us to just live in that truth of your love for us and let us extend mercy to those around us let us not carry the guilt that burdens us uh, but live in your grace and mercy God so we uh, thank you for this opportunity to to worship Uh, be with us now as we go into other uh, parts of our morning and connection groups and whatever else we have going on God and you may be praised and get the glory we pray all this in your son's name amen You're
0: amazing,
3: faithful, love's open
0: door.